Colossians 3, 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is God's word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are again thankful to be gathered here this morning to hear your word. We pray as your servant Brian speaks your word, uh, that your words will come through him. We pray that our hearts and our minds will be open to what you have to say to us today. And Lord, that we feel your presence with us. We thank all this and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, for reading our text for us, we're looking at our theme here for 2020, living in thankfulness to God. And so excited to get into this uh, verse here. But before we do, I just wanted to say just a little bit about our men's discipleship study in James and then wanted to show a little promo uh, video for us this morning. I know Brady said a little bit about that, but I want to give a little more detail to that. So it's a study uh, by Matt Chandler and his church in the book of James. We're going to be digging into that. We're going to see how, li how life works, faith and works together, um, seek to bring true life to us, how God calls us to himself through salvation, but in turn calling us to himself he becomes our God. We become his people. And there's a way of life that his people are meant to live. And James helps us to understand that so well. Um, but there's something unique about this study is that this study is actually done by both men in our men's discipleship. And then next week when we have women's discipleship, the women are going to be doing the same study. And so it's a great opportunity uh, for both men and women in our church to be studying together. So as you consider like spouses or uh, Parents and their children coming to that, uh, teens specifically, uh, coming to that and uh, being, then being able to study it throughout the week. In the book, there's personal devotions that you can work through. Uh, there's family devotions as well. So if you get the workbook, you'll have the book for the study, but then you'll also have extra stuff to do as a family, together with others, um, and even personal study to help you to grow. So this is exciting opportunity. Hope you'll take advantage of it. So it's kicking off tonight with the men. So all the men, teenagers on up, are invited to come to that. So with that, Ken, can you show us the video? Faith works. This is the message of James, that we, in our own ability, cannot stand in the face of adversity we could never find the strength to trust without faith. Because we don't have the capability to see above the trials that we meet, to keep our eyes focused on the King while counting the situation we are currently experiencing as joy. Faith works. This is the essence of James. That faith apart from works can never be sustained. That in every day and in every way, we should see this truth proclaimed because it's faith that makes us doers of the word, not just hearers. It's faith that leads us to true religion, not its empty substitute. And it's faith that's causing us to preach the good news to every tribe, tongue, and nation with every breath that we breathe. This is the message of James. Faith works. I'm Pastor Matt Chandler from the Village Church in Dallas, Texas, and I want to invite you into a 13-week study on the book of James. By the grace of God and through the Holy Spirit of God, 
James will help reorient our hearts, help reestablish that connection between head and heart and calm the seas of our spirit. Join me 13 weeks in the book of James. All right, so hopefully you'll join us for that. Obviously, Matt Chandler is inviting you to join him. He'll be on the video, so uh, you'll have to interact with us. <laughs> um, but uh, we want you to join us as well. So, uh, and then uh, we love it if you bring snacks, too. We think you're amazing when you bring snacks. So we'll think you're pretty good if you come without them, but uh, amazing if you bring snacks, too. So, All right, so hopefully you'll join us for that this evening. Um, today, uh, we are, are starting our study here in Colossians. Uh, over the next few weeks, we'll, we'll take a break from that to do our vision series. We'll talk through gathering for the gospel, growing in the gospel, giving out the gospel, and how that should impact us. But we're going to be using our theme to help us understand that. So as we talk about gathering for the gospel, we're going to look at how thankful we should be for justification. That we have been made right with God and therefore a part of his family. We can gather because of what Jesus has done. And then um, as we look at give, uh, growing in the gospel, we're going to look at thankfulness for sanctification. That there is a work that God has begun in us that he will complete. That's what Paul writes in Philippians 1.6. And so we're looking forward to that completion. But, but in that we have to realize he is working in us now. That this growth in the gospel is possible because of what Jesus done. And now we can, we can be growing in our sanctification. And then giving out the gospel thankful for conversion. That the truth of scripture is that God is calling a people to himself. His sheep know his voice and they come. People are going to be converted through the preaching of the gospel. And that is exciting and should cause us to be motivated to give out the gospel. All of this being done so that our God receives the glory. So that's over the next couple of weeks. And then following that, we'll be jumping back into the book of Colossians. But I wanted to, to kind of hear at the beginning of the year to kind of lay out this theme of thankfulness. <coughs> As we see here, uh, the theme is living in thankfulness to God. And in our text, we can see where that's being derived from. The idea of thankfulness being derived from that, that third phrase there, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Yet, we can also see in this the idea of living in thankfulness because of the first two phrases, that whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything. So it's talking about our living, how we're meant to, to live. And in fact, it's talking about how we're meant to live in every way. And then in turn, the descriptor there, the living is in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so we're going to walk through those three aspects this morning in our sermon. And the main point is this. You were made to be satisfied in living for God alone. You were made to be satisfied in living for God alone. All that, all that happened in creation was so that we might fulfill our purpose, the chief end of man, to find our satisfaction ultimately 
and fully in God. That's what we created for, to have this pleasure in God, this delight in God, this experience of who God is. Now, God, God didn't create us because he was deficient, because he needed anything. That's not why God created. God is completely self-sufficient and self-satisfied and pleased in and of himself. For all eternity, he has existed within perfect love. The Godhead of the God the Father and God the Son and the God the Holy Spirit existing together in perfect harmony, perfect love, self-existent, self-sustaining, self-satisfied. He doesn't create us to satisfy some need in Him. What we see, He creates us so that we might be satisfied in Him. So that we might find our joy, our delight, our purpose in Him and Him alone. And here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul picks up on that. He helps us to see that. He wants to draw our attention to not God's need for us, but our desperate need for and in seeing our desperate need for him, it affects every aspect, every way that we live. Every part of our being is being described here. And so we're going to talk about some measurements this morning. Measuring our lives, measuring what we are satisfied in, measuring what purpose and our identity we bring to our lives. And so the first one this morning, we're going to tackle this first part of this verse. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything. And I have described this point as measuring the entire content of your life. When we come to this section, we read, whatever you do. It's meant to include everything that you do. Not just Parts of what you do, not just pieces of what you do, but the entirety of what you do. In fact, he goes on to describe it as word or deed. But I don't want us to get too caught up in those. Um, this, this we should understand as a very Hebrew way of describing, in one sense, everything that exists in our lives. They give two descriptions that are somewhat distinct, meant to cover all things that exist in between them. So when you go to... Uh, a similar passage like 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and I believe it's verse 13 or 31 31 and you read whether you eat or drink or whatever you do the, the, the point of Paul there is not to confine them to just what they eat or drink He's using eat or drink to describe the entirety of their life. And that's a Hebrew way of talking. They tend to give two descriptors that kind of, some degree, relate to each other and yet are distinct to describe the entirety of their life. And that, in fact, that's what he goes on to do. So whatever you do. So in, in 1 Corinthians, he writes, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. That's my point. Everything includes all of it. Same thing here. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything. That's how we're meant to understand this kind of phraseology. It's meant to include the entirety of our life. In fact, as we see here, 
right before this, he's talking about corporate worship. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to the Lord. Hopefully that's what we're doing today. But when we come to verse 17, what do we see? We see here there's no distinction that Paul ultimately makes between formal worship and daily living. Everything that you do is meant to be described by this. Every aspect. Does it include our formal worship? Does it include the Word of God dwelling us richly as we read it together, as now we look into it through the preaching of the Word? Is it, does it, is it about our singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, lifting up our voices and thankfulness to God for what He has done? I mean, just, just think about the songs that we sang. What are, they, what, are they, what are they describing? They're describing what our God has done what we benefit from, and our heart of thankfulness is meant to go up to him as we sing. Yeah, that's part of this everything, word and deed, everything you do. So every word you speak right now, every deed you do right now is meant to be understood in verse 17. But it's not just what we do in here. It's what we do everywhere. It's every aspect of what we do is meant to be seen in verse 17. So there's no distinction here between the formal worship we have and our daily living. So if you act one way here, and then when you walk out the doors, you act completely differently, you're not living the way verse 17 describes. Verse 17 is meant to encompass the entirety of our life. Every bit of it. Now, when was the last time you thought through the entirety of your life? Not just part of it. We're tempted often to partition our lives, life. And so when we, when we want to talk spiritually, we think about when we're at church and when we attend and what Bible study we're studying. And, and so in, in doing that, we think about God and what we're doing for God, how we're serving God, or, or even how we're delighting in Him, how we're enjoying Him. But then when, we, when we're not thinking about God, maybe we're thinking about something else. Maybe we're thinking about finances. We kind of set God to the side. His partition's over there. It's the religious stuff I do. It's not the financial stuff I do. No, so I got to work to make this much money so I can pay these bills. And, you know, how am I going to, you know, I got some debts. So maybe I need to get out of that debt. What do I need to do here? And kind of God's over in some other category. We tend to partition our lives out. And so we often just think of our lives in certain categories. But what 17 here is trying to say is you should be considering the entirety of your life right now. And that may sound overwhelming. I mean, part of the reason we partition them out is because it can be overwhelming to think about all the things we do in our lives. And yet, yet even with all its overwhelmingness, it should be something that we do. In fact, what we can often find is that at part of partitioning our life out is so that we don't have to think about certain things that we do. We don't have to consider how those, these pieces affect other people, other things, or even our relationship with God. Our sinfulness is so tricky sometimes that when we can partition it all out, there's places for our sin to hide. And we can kind of dismiss it. Well, it's not in the God category. 
well, maybe this, it's okay that I, I live this way or do this or that. We partition it. Sometimes we, think, sometimes we think through what we do, even when we're active and not when we're passive. When we talk about the things in life that take up our time, we often talk about the things that we are active in doing. So, man, work takes up so much time. Sleep takes up, you're active in sleep, right? Sleep takes up so much time. But then we're like sitting in front of the TV. We don't really count that, right? Sometimes it's, it's passive. We're not really doing anything. You know, oh man, how am I going to be a good father this week to my kids? Because I only have so much time. Because I'm at work and they're at school. And then, you know, when we get home, there's only so much time. And yet, you're not calculating the time you spend just sitting there on your laptop or sitting there playing a game or without them all by yourself. <laughs> That's for us gamers out there. Yeah. Um, you know, or the time you spend in front of the TV or whatever it is. Like we sometimes will calculate the, the passive time, the, but yet that is time. Like the fact is we all have the same amount of time every day and we're giving that time to something. So even if it's passive time, it's, it's still time being spent, time being used. It has to be calculated. It has to be valued. It has to be viewed. And I'm not asking really why you would give your time to something yet. That'll come in a minute. But just what you're giving your time to. So what do you do in your daily life? What are the deeds that you do? We talked about deeds here. What are the deeds that you do? When and where do you work? Do you eat? Do you sleep? Do you read? Do you clean? Do you supervise? Where do you serve? Where do you volunteer? Where do you shop? Where do you relax? Where do you play? Where do you watch? What do you attend? What do you participate in? How much do you do these things? What things do you do more? What things do you do less? The idea here is not to determine why you do them, but what you actually do. I think it can be surprising sometimes when we stop and consider the entirety of our life and don't allow ourselves to put up partitions. Well, this is what I do there. This is what I just do there. No, what do you do entirety? And then feel the weight of all that you choose to do. Again, we all have the same amount of time. And so we're all choosing how to use that time. Not only that, it also says not just in deed, but in word, what do you say? So who do you talk with? What do you talk about? Who do you, excuse me, who do you text? What do you post? What nonverbal communication do you use? What choices of, do you use to communicate? What do your choices in themselves communicate? You know, when I choose this or the other, what does that communicate? What do you think? These words here are not just meant to describe what comes out of our mouth, but the words even that we think in our head. The very words that come across our mind. What do you tell yourself? What do you allow yourself to say to yourself without confronting yourself? <laughs> you like that? Yeah. How often do you do these things? How often do you talk, text, post, whatever? Where and when do you do these things? Again, it's just, it's just this broad kind of observation of the entirety of the content of our lives. Maybe you can think in light of roles, the roles that you play and what you do in each of those. You know, as a, I am a Christian, first and foremost. So how does that affect 
my daily life. I'm a member of this church. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm an uncle. I'm a pastor. I'm a neighbor. I'm a citizen. I'm a resident of the world. Human being. How does this all affect my time? How does it affect the content of my life, the choices of what I allow to take up the time in my life? And and all of these give me, these roles give me some purpose. They tend to influence the words and deeds of my life. What I choose to allow to be a part of my life tends tends to relate to one of these roles. And what's the point of all this? Well, it's that we can easily miss or dismiss what we are actually doing, both good and bad. We can easily miss what we're doing. We're just not really aware of the amount of time we give to something. I grew up a big video gamer, all right? So I often heard from my parents, you're spending too much time on that. So I don't play much video games anymore, but occasionally I will. And when I get down there and play, sometimes I just lose track of time entirely. You know, and it's like three or four hours later, and my family's like, hey, are you still there? (laughs) Yeah, you lose track of time, right? It can happen. We can miss what we give ourselves to. But also, because of our sinfulness, we can sometimes dismiss what we give ourselves to don't really really come to grips we almost live in this form of denial of what we actually are living our lives for and to and so everyone has the same amount of time and everyone fills it do you realize that you don't have any leftover time you know you don't have any time sitting left over on the shelf back home i haven't used that time yet i'm gonna use that soon you know it's coming expiration date it's coming i need to use it now there's no there's no leftover t- we all fill it Every day, we fill our time. So what are you filling your time with? How do you fill it? That's really what I'm confronted with in the first part of this verse. Everything I do is meant to be a certain way. But what is it that I do? So that's the first part. But the second part, measuring the identity of your life. Here's where we begin to get to the why question. So now that we are, we're understanding we need to identify everything in our lives that we do, what is the identity that our doing creates? Why do we do the things? Now, the text here says that we're to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Use of name in Scripture is primarily a means of identity. It's meant to describe something. So as you see in the Old Testament, you see the naming of creation, the naming of man, and then of woman, as, as woman comes out of man. So, so then Adam names her woman, the naming of Cain or other children. What do we see? We see in that oftentimes the, the, the mother or father who have naming, so Eve naming Cain, is, is naming him with a purpose. There's a description for that. Name. There's a reason he's named like that. The renaming of someone like Abraham or others that are renamed in Scripture. Why are they renamed? Because they're given a new identity. So, for instance, Jacob being renamed Israel. I mean, that's a significant. It's meant to convey identity. We have Moses being called by God to lead his people out of 
Egypt. And what, is they, what does he say? How, why, how will they accept me? Tell them the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me. What if they ask your name? And God says, I am that I am. And he gives him his name, and that name is meant to identify him. In turn, what do we find here? That we're to be doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Our identity, the identity that we communicate with everything that we do, both in word and in deed, everything that we do, is meant to identify us with the Lord Jesus. Lord, a significant term meant to convey his his power and his kingliness, his divine nature and right over all things. Jesus is his human name. Meant to convey to us his human identity. That here he is calling us to identify with all that the Lord Jesus is. Everything that he is. Embracing all that the scripture has told us regarding Jesus Christ. So our identity is meant to be bound up in the identity of Jesus and doing everything to, the, to identify with Jesus and, and, and in doing so to then make much of Jesus. In one sense, we could say that this is similar to what 1 Corinthians 10.31, I don't think it's dissimilar. I think it, it, it brings in this idea of identity by using the word name but it's, it's meant to be the similar conveying of 1 Corinthians 10.31, which were to do all things, what? For the glory of God. For the making much of God. And how do we tend to make much of him? I mean, in fact, the Old Testament describes it this way. That his name might be exalted. That his name might be known and heard. In fact, we're told that, that the reason why God does what he does in Egypt and in the Exodus, the reason why Pharaoh's heart is hardened and the plagues are sent was so that his name might be glorified. So that all the nations might know his name. In fact, what do we, what do we read? read as they go through the wilderness and as God continues to do things to make known his name, they get to the promised land and there's other people living there. And what do they say? We're afraid of you because we know what your God can do. They know the glorious name of God and God's people there in that Old Testament wandering are identified with him. And the same thing's meant to be true of us within our lives. We are meant to do everything so that we are identified with Jesus Christ. And his name is great. His name is exalted. Again, it's every area, not just our formal worship times, not just the times we set aside for family devotion. Or when we turn on our Christian music and sing really loud in the car. Like there's, there's, maybe you roll down your window and when that person cuts you off, just sing louder. <laughs> it's not just meant to be those formal times of worship or those, those little set times. It's meant to be every area of our life. So when we think of our roles again, I mean, 
I'm a Christian, so that makes sense, like that I would identify with Jesus in that. But, that, but in, in one sense, this word Christian is kind of like, it's kind of like bigger than all the others. Because that's what we're meant to be identified as in all the areas of our life. You understand, Christian just, uh, at the time when it was given the, the name, that Christians were given that name, it meant little Christ's. Like, they were identified so much with their Savior that they got a name that connected, that identified them to him. And, and that's how our lives are supposed to be. And it's every area, every place, everywhere we go, everything we do. So as, as you've calculated the entire content of your life, realize that there's not one thing on that list should not be identified with Jesus. So when you're thinking of the finances of your life and how, what you're gonna, how many hours you need to work and to pay all these bills, to do this, that, realize that according to Colossians 3.17, all that is meant to be connected to your identity with Jesus Christ. Every area. Now, they're not all connected in exactly the same way. There's no, like, strict formula we can just plug in. So, uh, you know what? Every area of my life is going to be identified with Jesus. So, you know, I'll just sing about Jesus every single day. So I'm here shopping. Jesus is the greatest. Like, it's not going to be, you're not going to be able to take a formula like that and apply it to every area. It's going to be different in every area. But as Christians, we should understand that the definer of our entire existence now of our complete identity, is Jesus Christ. And therefore, everything, even our shopping, should be connected in some way with Him. Maybe it's that you use your shopping to, to care for the people God's placed for you in a way that would affirm God's goodness to them. Maybe you look at your shopping as the opportunity to meet people in the aisle and share with them a little bit about your Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know specifically, and I can't speak to every area from here. You want to meet me later? I'll be glad to try to speak to the different areas of your life and help you out with that. And you can speak to some areas of my life and help me out with that too. This is not easy. But this is what we're called to be. This is what it tells us, that His name, His name, is meant to be identified in every aspect of our life. What's the point? Everything in our lives, in order to be identified with our Lord Jesus, to bring Him glory. And that's where we have to ask, is this why you do what you do? We, we fill our life. We choose what to fill our time with. Is this why you do what you do? To be identified with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means there might be some things in our life that we say, I don't need to do that anymore. We only have so much time. We're not going to be able to do everything. What, what should be the determiner of what stays in and what stays out? what I like, what I enjoy, what makes me feel good, what makes me happy? Or what identifies me with Jesus? That is what 
is meant to determine what stays in and what stays out. Now, other things stay in, but they need to be reshaped, remolded. Areas in my life that should be identifying me with Jesus, but maybe I'm afraid to identify with Jesus when I'm there. I'm doing these things. I'm at work. Or when I'm out with somebody, I may be fearful of identifying with Jesus. I just need to identify with him. They need to be reshaped, remolded. Maybe it's, it's fun things you do with your family, but you don't really bring God into it. Why not? He created everything. shouldn't be too hard to bring God into it and to demonstrate how glorious and marvelous and wonderful he is. And so they need to be reshaped, remolded, so that we are identifying with Jesus in them. And then thirdly, third statement, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And that here is measuring the satisfaction of your life. You can say the proper satisfaction. Here, this idea of giving thanks. I, I, I think we'll have to start by kind of saying it's not, it's not in the sense of, you know, your parents teaching you to say thank you. Right? It's not necessarily in that sense. Like, it is in the sense that it should be the expression that you have for God for this kind of life. But it's not in the sense of, like, the begrudging thank you. Like, the year that I got no more toys for Christmas and just clothes, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> and I said thank you, but I didn't really mean thank you. Right? I mean, haven't we said those things before? Something happens, and, and you know, like, someone gives you something, and you're like, what is that? <laughs> you know, or, you know, they give you a, a sweater that they are wearing, and you're like, it's ugly. <laughs> but you can't say that, because they're wearing one that's similar to it. You know, so what do you have to say? You have to say, well, thank you, right? There's a little bit of begrudgingness in that, like, a little bit of this, like, I'm not really, you know, that thing. That's not, that's not the kind of thankfulness here. The kind of thankfulness here is a heartfelt expression of satisfaction in what has been given to us by God. We are meant to be satisfied that our life now can be identified with Jesus. Every aspect. Because in our sinfulness, we have fallen from we fall short of God's glory. Our identity is not with Jesus, but with Satan and the sinful world and our sinful nature that is all going to be cast into the pits of hell for eternity. Our only relationship with our God is as, as the one under his divine judgment and wrath. We have no ability to find our pleasure and satisfaction in Him. No ability to live for His purposes and fulfill why we were made. We are lost. I think that's why he says that we're meant to give thanks to God the Father through Him. Through Jesus. Because it is only through Jesus, that we are saved. That we are given what we don't deserve. 
that mercy and grace have been poured out on us in abundance beyond what we can comprehend. As much as we want to exalt and value Jesus, realize this, we don't know how glorious and wonderful He is. And the mercy and grace that has been poured onto us when, and, and the justice that Jesus has taken upon himself and the wrath that he bore, we don't understand it completely. But on that cross, he took what we deserved, an eternity of punishment. He took it so that we might be saved, but we might be saved and have life. We might be in Him, that in Him, Paul says, we have died to sin, and now we live. I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ lives within me. And that's just not when I come to church, and that's just not when I'm singing in my car. That is every day, every moment, every second. Identity is with Him. This is something we could not grasp. We could not gain. We could not take for ourselves. We could not earn. This is something that Jesus Himself gives to us. That the Father Himself gives to us. This is this gracious gift beyond compare. That allows us then to live out verse 17. Therefore, from our heart should flow thankfulness, satisfaction with what I have in Jesus Christ. We're going to look at this in James tonight. And I, I was watching this earlier, so this is another little promo. Matt Chandler's talking, God, God doesn't come to take from us comes to give. And whatever he withholds from us, he withholds because it will be harmful for us. Because it, it, it's a barrier between our identity with Jesus. It's a barrier between our joy and satisfaction in him. And what he gives, he gives so that we might better identify with Jesus. So we might find our satisfaction in him. And so when we think about that with the entirety of our lives, what does that mean? To identify with Jesus sometimes is going to be the most joyous experience we ever have. And sometimes it's going to be the hardest experience and choice we ever make. But in each of those, our response should be to give thanks. True thanks, not well, my mom taught me to say thank you, but true thankfulness, satisfaction in what we have in Jesus Christ. This is living in thankfulness to God, encompassing our whole lives with him and then joyfully thanking him for the opportunity to even do it because we don't deserve it. So what do you do in your life? What do you fill your life with? Why do you fill it with that? And are you satisfied in filling your life with Jesus Christ? The questions we all need to ask, and hopefully we'll continue to ponder over this year as we work through Colossians, as we look in his words, we study James together. We ask these tough questions and hopefully, by God's grace, 
will see in our lives more and more identification with Jesus and more joyful, satisfied expressions of thankfulness to our God for the opportunity to do that very thing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your truth. Lord, we ask this morning that you would continue to show your grace to us that comes through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, if there is anyone here who have not trusted him, who have not looked upon him as Savior and Lord, the, the taker of their sins, the bearer of your wrath, they haven't identified with him in faith, believing that he alone could save them, that they would come today. And if they'd come, if they would repent, if they would trust in him, that your promises are true, that they would find redemption of sin, forgiveness from sin, and that they would be taken from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your son. Although how glorious. Lord, may, may anyone here who struggles with that come speak to us. Lord. Lord, we ask as well for those of us who have trusted in him, Lord, please allow us now as we close in a, with a couple songs, allow heartfelt thankfulness to be produced from us. Lord, may we be satisfied in Jesus alone. In his name we pray.